DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents a special, Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. In this episode, we discuss the recent actions of the United States Supreme Court in its reversal of Roe v. Wade and the response of the Catholic Church moving forward. We now begin our discussion with Archbishop George Lucas. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. Would you like to offer an opening prayer for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of this day. Thank you for the gift of life itself, for the opportunities we have to preach the gospel of life and to enhance dignity of the life of our brothers and sisters, especially the most vulnerable. Give us your grace, especially in this moment, so that we might see in spite of opposition and obstacles what the opportunities we have to serve you, to protect and and serve our brothers and sisters. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Archbishop. Something extraordinary occurred just a few days ago. I guess we could maybe call it almost like a spiritual earthquake. I began to wonder if it would ever happen in our lifetime, and that is the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the United States. What were your thoughts when that happened? Of course, we had been led to expect that it might be coming with the unfortunate leak of the draft of the decision. At the same time, I gave thanks to God that, as you said, I, I and so many of us lived to see uh, the, the day when this happened, when what was really an unjust law and, and precedent in our country and in, in our jurisprudence uh, has been overturned, and I would say set right. It's a great victory, really, for unborn children, for women, for families, and and really for the cause of justice in our country. I'm with you, and just praise God that this uh, has occurred at this moment. But as I alluded to earlier, it is kind of a spiritual earthquake in a way because it has caused a lot of emotion, good and bad, to really just erupt everywhere. And that is something as Christians we need to be able to acknowledge, isn't it? Right. So we do acknowledge that certainly not everyone agrees with the decision that the Supreme Court has made and the reasoning that that leads up to it. And uh, the disagreement, certainly in these early days, is fairly uh, vociferous. But in every moment, you know, we're invited to ask ourselves, what is the opportunity that Jesus is offering me as his disciple in these particular circumstances? So the circumstances for what we have come to call the pro-life movement, the circumstances have changed now that the national approach to this has changed. As we know, the Supreme Court decision doesn't eliminate uh, abortion in our country. I wish it did, but what it has done is by turning back the Roe versus Wade decision, the responsibility now goes back to the states, which means it goes back closer to people like you and me and to our elected representatives to think and pray and and talk together about what's the best way to protect innocent human life in, in our states, and then to, to try to enact just laws that, that will make that, that protection possible. So that's going to vary from place to place, of course, but it is a new moment, and we uh, can't get over the sorrow, the tragedy of all the, the unborn lives that have been taken since Roe versus Wade became the law of our land and, and really opened a, a protection for abortion in most cases, you know, in, in so many places in our country. So we think of the lives that have been lost. We think of the lives of women that have been wounded 
uh, so tragically by by this practice. At the same time, we see that there's an opportunity now for us not simply to rejoice that things are different, but to shape what the difference will be by the work that that we do together, uh, animated by the gospel of Jesus Christ, relying on the help of, of the Holy Spirit. It really is that moment for Christians to respond in ways that would reflect our beliefs, and that is ultimately is to love, to love one another. And we're seeing the opportunities to to do that in so many areas, not only in the care of mothers who are going to need assistance and help and understanding, but also in the opportunity to be able to, to enter into dialogues. Everywhere, at least in this moment, people are having these there's reactions to this decision. And some of the information that's out there is just blatantly false. It's inflammatory. There are lies that are taking place. And it's imperative that we witness and respond to those in love, isn't it? It it is. That's always the imperative. It's an opportunity for us, again, to focus on the reality of the life in the womb, that the unborn child is a person created in the image and likeness of God, a vulnerable person in the early stages of life, um, but a person still who has rights. We also have the opportunity, as I think we have been doing, to focus on the rights and the needs of the mother, the fathers, of all of us really, to accompany one another, but to be particularly attentive to the, uh, the needs of those who are, who are vulnerable. And, and often it's the, the woman who's vulnerable, along with her unborn child. You know, the overturning of Roe doesn't do away with the reasons, the circumstances, the burdens that some women feel, felt always, I I suppose, different times in in our history, that would tempt them to think that abortion is a, a solution. Those problems, those challenges still exist, and we should listen as women speak about what's worrying them, what's troubling them, what makes them afraid or would lead them to think that they can't really go on to mother the child that is in the womb. And then we, having heard them, we need to see what we can do together individually, but also, but certainly together to accompany her. So that really the point is it's God's plan in every situation, but we see it clearly here. The point is that no one who's struggling should have to struggle alone and feel like the only solution to their worry, their, uh, their hurt, their fear is a, is a violent one. There are other solutions, other beautiful solutions, and it's up to us now to, to support those opportunities and, and to be ready to, to accompany our neighbors when they need us. The rhetoric is so inflammatory in its nature, especially by politicians. There are those politicians who will tell the world that they are Catholic, and yet they are rejecting a stance that says that women now are having rights taken away and they're going to come after so many other things. And it is important that we not only pray for them and ask God for mercy on them, but it is our call to stand up now in those public arenas and respond to those accusations or those claims made by those who are wearing, quote-unquote, the Catholic mantle. Right. It's a sad part of this whole picture that there are or those who claim the Catholic faith, who are saying things and acting in, in ways that are not consistent 
with our faith. They bear responsibility for that before God, but also before all the rest of us in, in the community. And, and so it's, it's important that we call them on it. But, you know, as you're talking about the kind of inflammatory rhetoric that we're hearing a lot of, at least, especially in these days, it is important for us to, to stay focused on the issues and, and not be attacking persons. Each person has human dignity, whether they, whether they have the right opinion or even if they're not doing the right thing. We have a great story to tell in terms of the, the help that is available in the Catholic community, really in the wider community, for women and children who are in need. The evidence for the humanity of the unborn child is very compelling from a scientific point of view. So there are many ways that, that we can uh, contribute to the conversation rationally from the point of view of faith as well as reason. They harmonize very beautifully in this situation. Uh, there are some who serve in public office who claim to be Catholic who have gone so far down a path, whether it's for political reasons, whether it's it's because they really believe what they're saying in, in conscience, uh, I don't know. But I don't think that it's probably possible to have a rational conversation with them in terms of faith and reason. But the important thing for us to know is that now there will be conversations more locally. And for us here in Nebraska, for example, the, as we choose people for the, who will serve us in the legislature, and as we serve those who will uh, choose those who will continue to serve in, in the U.S. Uh, Congress, we can be in contact with them. We can share our important understanding about the dignity of human life and also the real needs of, of women and families and invite them to have a conversation with us and with others in the community about how best we can serve the rights and, and needs that, that we hold so dear. Yeah, there are in so many ways opportunities through at least from what we are, you know, from our vantage point, the Catholic Church has to offer in a loving, merciful response to people who are in need. I mean, to be very co concrete, I mean, whether it's child care programs that we have, preschool programs, St. Vincent de Paul uh, chapters, which will help with food and rent assistance, um, Catholic charities, their number one mission is to reach out and to, to share and to grow in that. There are so many different ways that individual parishes can help. This is a time now where we step up even more strongly, uh, shouldn't we? I mean, be an even brighter light, a beacon for those who might may be in need, especially those who are in this particular position where they feel they have no other choice but to try to seek an, an, and obtain an abortion. Yes, I agree. And just want to challenge all of us in the Catholic community, starting with myself, to be alert to the needs of people around us and to be willing to share what I would call the warmth of the gospel with our neighbors. I really pray, uh, it's a, a vision and a hope that I have, pray that anyone in the community, whether they're Catholic or not, who is struggling or feeling burdened, and whether it's with at the moment of a pregnancy or, or some other need, that they would believe that, that they could turn to a Catholic neighbor, uh, somebody in their neighborhood, somebody in the parish, share respectfully the challenges that they're facing and, and have confidence that they would be heard and, and received respectfully and would meet someone who would be willing to not simply refer them to a service, we have a lot of those as you mentioned, but who really would be ready to accompany them and to befriend them because the, the complicated challenges that moms, that families face these days are, are not solved in a day, they're not met in a day. It does take time. Our 
uh, understanding of the dignity of the human person is extends, of course, way beyond life in, in the womb. And it's based on the understanding that God has created each person, each person in our neighborhood, each person in our parish, in our community, in, in our state. God has created that person lovingly. And each of those persons comes with gifts, with hopes, with challenges. We all have those too. But we cherish all that. It's part of what we share together in the community that the Lord calls us to to participate in. Uh, unfortunately, I think the you know the the period of COVID exacerbated something that was already a trend we'd been experiencing, and that and that was just really the an isolation and a fragmentation in our communities. Uh, we were already facing the fragmentation of families and a weakening of the bonds of of family life and care. And not blaming any one person or any one family for that. It's a, it's a a sad fact of, of life, but it, it means that some of the some of the ordinary structures and experiences of community and of solidarity that may have been present in other periods of, of our history are, are are not just so readily apparent to, to us right now. That means, especially on a day that any one of us is in trouble, when we're afraid or when we receive um, bad news about an illness or or death or the loss of a job or there's the challenge of an unplanned pregnancy, that there isn't necessarily someone so available to us to turn to who really is invested in us and, and will help us. That's then the responsibility uh, for all of us uh, to be more attentive. We are so blessed in the structures that we have. And you know one of the beautiful graces that God has produced, we might say, in, in this terrible time of Roe versus Wade or, or the uh, extraordinary care centers for women, homes for mothers, the mentoring programs, uh, uh, just any number of things that didn't really exist in the way they do now before Roe. They they've now have proven worth and staff there are so loving, so competent in, in these various places. So that in addition to our schools and, as you said, St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Charities, our colleges and universities, just the, uh, all of the, the worries that might occur in the life of, of a woman with an unplanned pregnancy that we have ways to help her address those worries, but they have to be done personally. You know, it can't only be done institutionally. The institutions can make it happen over time, but it's the accompaniment that that is really it's really so necessary. And and that really is the challenge for me and for you for all of us th- these days to be ready to to put ourselves out personally, so that the beautiful institutions and programs we have can actually be um, brought to bear, and with the quality of, of human warmth that will really make them bear good fruit. Part of our our response to this, too, is to listen to those who are, at this particular moment, have a very heated tone in their voice, who have are operating from a formation that, for many of us, we would say is flawed. And their paradigm in which they look at this is something where they're, something's being taken away from them. They're losing rights. And that dignity and of each individual life or even the uh, suffering sometimes in love to be able to bring out an outcome that offers that, those are all such intrinsic things that hopefully would have been taught, but it hasn't. And, we're, and since particularly Roe versus Wade, back in the early 70s, I mean, that's 50 years, that's at least two generations. Their formation essentially has been twisted in a way 
to that understanding. And now we're called, aren't we, to try to help them because this it's not just about uh, abortion or rights. It comes down to understanding the fundamental nature of who God is and his love for all of us. Well, and I've been watching some of the, the demonstrations. I've, I've saw one in my neighborhood, a, a, a significant one the other day, and, and then watching them on, on television. A lot of young people, you know, we realize from the studies that have been done recently, don't feel a particular connection to God or to any faith community. And so they're, op- they're approaching this from a very different perspective from the one that, that you and I have. That's Again, that's just a fact. That's our uh, mission field. That, there, that is the place where, where we have work to do. But you make a couple of good points. One of them is, is just a reminder to us that the law does have a formative effect on us. And that's why it is important that we have good and, and just laws. So all these decades of uh, what I would say was an unjust uh, approach to this issue that was uh, decreed by Roe versus Wade, that has had a, an effect beyond the allowing of abortion, but an effect on the formation of, of our citizens and of especially people who have grown up in in that era, they have come to conclusions and hold positions that seemed reasonable and fair to them based on what they knew. Again, you know, as you could say, the for, what the formation, the teaching we have as we grow up, the, the teaching that's given to us is so important. We hold, I think, rightly, and the Supreme Court has reinforced it now again, rightly, that there is not a right to abortion that's protected as a as a God given right, as a given we might say here in in this country. At the same time, women do have rights. And they have hopes and expectations. And their hopes and expectations today are different from what their grandmothers might have had. And they're not all bad. <laughs> Many mm-hmm. of them are, are really good and beautiful. And, and so it's important that every person gets to speak for herself or, or for himself to talk about what they desire and what they look for. There are uh, serious points on which there might be, be disagreement. We need to look for ways that we can increase understanding across these divides so that can anyone be able to enter into a conversation with a follower of Jesus Christ would feel respected and feel that their God-given rights are recognized and, and respected, and that they might be able to, to receive from us some encouragement for their legitimate hopes, for, you know, for their lives, for their education, for how they might prosper in this world. Those are not, on the face of them, bad things. Uh, my hope is now that there can be and particularly in smaller groups and in communities as the heat dies down a little bit some conversations where everyone in the conversation can feel valued feel that their own life is important and that perhaps their hopes could be fulfilled to the extent that they're they're legitimate and that society would be willing to offer support for that look those would be important for us here in nebraska as we look for the opportunity which i think we may have to limit and restrict abortion further in our state from the restrictions that already exist. We do have to be willing to put ourselves on the line, whether that's personally or corporately in, in terms of taxes or, or other ways, so that as a state, we can we can really be full partners with, with people who are, are struggling. We're asking them to do the right thing, but they may not feel that they have the means to, to do it and to, to be secure and to, and to prosper moving forward. And, and there are ways that we see it already in other states that new help has been uh, formulated to help moms and and families move forward in in a way that's respectful of everyone. It's really bringing the conversations home. I I probably should have always been there, but I mean, with this particular moment, it's once again bringing it back to what will we do? 
not only as families, but as individuals, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think many would argue, and I would agree that Roe, the Roe versus Wade decision circuited a lot of the conversations and in a sense took the conversations away, uh, just decreed what what would be you know, on an issue that is very hotly contested. I'm glad that the strong feeling against Roe and the desire for that to be reversed, I'm just so grateful to all the faithful pro-life people over these many decades you know, who, who haven't given up and who have kept up the intensity in, a, I think, a prayerful and a, and a very re- respective way, but a respectful way. There is an intensity that's right. So that it's not the intensity that's bad so much as the bitterness or the hatred or the lack of, of respect. It's okay, I think, as a Christian for us to be intensely involved in doing what's right and good, protecting what's right and good. But we have to communicate a warmth and an openness to engage our brothers and sisters. Otherwise, you know, the the light of the gospel is under a bushel basket. If the goodness of the love of Jesus and the power of his redemptive suffering, death, and resurrection, if, if that can't be seen and, and be seen by others as having some attraction, some meaning for them, then, then we're really falling short in, in some way. Jesus wants us to be right um, about what's good and true, but he also wants us to be good. And in him, those aren't, you know, there's no competition for, for truth and, and goodness. We can't do it perfectly ourselves in imitation of him, but we, we should try and, and, and never, just as we don't want to sacrifice the truth, we, we don't want to sacrifice the, the goodness, the neighborliness, the, the, the real con- concern for others that others may or may not accept. You know, we can't force that on them, but when we go before the Lord, I don't think any of us wants to, to say, well, you know, we kept shouting the truth at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, sh- we should cling to the truth and speak it, but, but we speak the truth in love, as the, as the Scripture urges. Yeah, I would say that this is not the end of something as much it's the beginning of the more. We have to give more, we have to pray more, we have to fast more, we have to love more. This is the the time where now it's it's an imperative, isn't it, especially for us Christians to and Catholics to really stand up and to give more. Yeah, and again, I want to compliment and express my gratitude to to so many who've been involved in the pro life movement who've just been doing that, you know, mm-hmm. in um, in all kinds of ways over many decades. But as we said earlier, the circumstances now have changed, and it's a new chapter in the in the pro-life movement and in how we preach the, and live the gospel of life. My encouragement is that more of us become involved now and, and see that there's, a, there's a, an opportunity for conversation, an opportunity for neighborliness, an opportunity for real accompaniment of, of those who are struggling that can more readily bear fruit in something really good for them and, and for their children. Uh, in ways that might have, might not have been been so possible recently. Well, you've been on those buses on those cold days in January with many, many young people who have marched and have thrown their voices, and a lot of those those young people are now older people, kind of like myself. What would you say to them after all this time? I mean, what what, what would be your word to them? Um, my first word is thanks. Uh, thanks for the faith and the witness that so many, young and old, have been offering o- over these years. You know, the, the Supreme Court is not a democratic arm of government, and so simply ginning up support for something w- wouldn't have had its 
had an effect on the court, but it but it's had an effect through the democratic process and in, in other ways. But it really has helped us see that the Supreme Court did something in, in Roe that wasn't really good for the country <laughs> beyond the fact that it was it allowed this evil of, of, of abortion that, that took the lives of, of unborn children. But that it made an attempt to settle something or impose something that really the, so many people, young and old, just would not accept as true and, and good and sort of let it go and go on with life. So again, great admiration for, for so many who have stood up in, in a public way to witness, those who have prayed and sacrificed, and then those who have used their talents to, to establish centers, services for women and for their children. And now, as I said earlier, have a beautiful track record of, of having done such good work, and, and we can all put the confidence in, uh, in, in them. So there's much to be grateful for right now, even as we lament all the lives lost, tr- truly. But it's a new moment, and I just encourage us all to pray for the grace from God to, to see the opportunity that is before us and to bring together our faith, our prayer, and the resources of the Catholic community to have this be a, a new moment for moms and their children. Um, our prayers have been answered, but many, many people have been praying this. It's like, now that you've had your prayer answered, what are you going to do? You know, what, what comes next? And that's an exciting opportunity, but it's also a great challenge, isn't it? Right, but I think Jesus promised that embracing the gospel and following him would be challenging. And so, again, I don't take that lightly. I'm, I'm not, I don't always feel up to it myself, but, but he's not inviting us to, to do something without giving us the grace to do it. So new opportunity, new challenge, but new grace being offered. This is, as you said, a new chapter. I'd encourage everybody to be alert in the coming weeks to what might be happening here in Nebraska, you know, where, the, where opportunities might be to, to make some, some progress in terms of restricting abortion, but also offering help and, and support to women and families who struggle uh, next to us, um, among us here, and, and to, to pray together for the guidance of the Holy Spirit about how to take advantage of those opportunities to make our community richer and more respectful of the rights of everyone. What would you say to those Catholics who hear you now and have family members that have such heated opinions on this that seem to be so counter what the church has taught? How would you have us respond to them in this moment? Uh, pray for them first, and then I think we uh, listen, see if there is part of what they're saying that we can uh, understand, respect, maybe agree with. In the end, though, I think this is a, the coming months and, and years, our actions are going to be a, the loudest uh, witness and our willingness to, you know, to be followers of Jesus truly in, in every aspect of, of our lives, not just this one. In other periods, that witness has warmed hearts and won people over. So I, again, I, we, just, we try to be patient, prayerful, respectful of each other. And, and then, you know, it's, it's always good to expect divine intervention. <laughs> that God will offer a special grace that will help turn someone's heart in a better direction for them and and for their flourishing in in the future. Thank you so much, Your Excellency. We are so grateful you're our shepherd. Uh, Thanks, Chris, for this opportunity. God bless you. You've been listening to a special episode of Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. 
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.